0: Ex machina. Eloquentia ex machina. Eloquentia ex machina.
1: Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series dedicated to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a variety of media, and focused on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast... We interview instructors on how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. Today, in our slightly delayed season finale, I sit down with Laura Hardin-Marshall and Colton Biro to discuss delivering and receiving student feedback in composition courses at SLU. All right. Hello, I'm Sheila Corsi. I am the coordinator of the Compass Lab and an assistant professor uh, within the English department at SLU. And I have with me two of our um, instructors and graduate students in the English department. Would you two like to introduce yourselves?
0: All right. Hello there. Uh, My name is Colton, uh, Colton Biro, and I'm a first year PhD student uh, before uh, sort of entering the PhD round of graduate study. I taught high school and uh, middle school and even did some adjuncting. Uh, So I've got about a decade of teaching experience uh, under my belt.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Laura Hardin-Marshall, a fourth year PhD candidate specializing in rhetoric and composition. Uh, Like Colton, I have done a considerable amount of teaching, uh, not just in the classroom but also in writing centers. Great. Thank you both so much for uh,
1: coming on to Eloquenta Perfecta Ex Machina today. Many of us have just finished a a very busy week full of final grading, so what better time to talk about student feedback? Uh, I thought I'd start with a kind of retrospective look at at the weeks leading up to the semester. Uh, Because this was such an unusual semester, I wanted to start broadly asking you guys about um, some of the things that were on your minds as you were planning either for your specific course or from um, a kind of writing program, administration, view Um, what were some things that you knew you kind of needed to change or adapt as you were planning um, planning for your courses or others courses this semester
0: i think on my end uh, one of the things that i really had to sort of address in terms of uh, my own thought for this upcoming semester was finding a way in which to sort of maintain and engage that relationship between instructor and student um, particularly as it is so necessary Uh, that students actually kind of have, as terrible as this sounds, like my voice in their head when they're reading my comments, Uh, because if they don't actually know me or experience sort of that uh, relationship, what ends up happening is uh, I know that it's difficult to read without Uh, kind of a sarcasm coming out or kind of a harshness. So I really wanted to find ways in which to engage with that relationship before I sort of went to town on their papers. Not that I go to town on papers and things, but that sense that that was something I was acutely aware of. And I'm not entirely sure that I did it enough as much as I would have liked to this semester, but I certainly did it more this semester in sort of the informal conversations and conferences and other things, giving them my voice. Um, I did it more this semester than I have in previous semesters, knowing that they would be reading papers with kind of the guesswork.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I was having the same struggle when it comes to like literally what they can see of me um, when planning for my own 1900 course because it was a A B AB course. Uh, students who were, you know, coming in remotely either throughout the entire semester or on their particular A or B day, Um, you know, what they can see of me through the webcam or hear of me, right, can be very inconsistent. Um, And so getting a kind of snapshot, one of the things that I really uh, focused on was when I was recording kind of asynchronous lectures, um, kind of including the snapshot, right, of my face, as much as I hated having to uh, constantly kind of have a clip of myself in all of those lectures and undergoing the kind of mortifying mortifying ordeal of having a video of yourself lecturing. Um, I think it, it was really interesting. Uh, and an experiment, as you said, I, I think I'll definitely change some things in future semesters. Um, but for them, yes, to, to have kind of access to um, both my voice, right, and my face, as a kind of real live human, right, <laughs> who, um, who was also grading their papers, right, who wasn't just um, a kind of text on the other side of, of, of the classroom.
2: Uh, yeah, so on a, on a programmatic level, I think one of the things that Nathaniel and I were really kind of uh, trying to work through in, in orientation and, and how to prepare instructors for the semester was, you know, how much how many different types of technology do we recommend and how many um, how many resources right, do we offer to instructors? So um, for instance, one of the things that we talked about in orientation was some of the different pedagogical tools that instructors could use in terms of you know digital pedagogy like you know VoiceThread and and making um, different offering feedback in different kinds of ways. but when you when you contribute, to instructors or when you when you recommend to instructors, well, here's you know five different types of technology that you can use to offer feedback or that you know that students can can you can, can utilize feedback in different ways. Well then now you're just directing students outside of Blackboard or outside of your whatever LMS you're using, right? Or outside of your website. And you're just adding on all of these technological components that make it a little bit more different, difficult or more challenging for instructors to actually um, know how to utilize your feedback or know how to, um, access the feedback on a technological standpoint, really. So there are so many resources out there that are available, but then at the same time, you really have to, as an instructor, decide which, one or two that you're going to use, right? Or which, which ones that you are going to devote your time as an instructor to teaching students how to use as well as teaching yourself how to use, of course, right? Because um, there's only so many different types of technology that we as instructors can, can use or else we're just going to get exhausted by all the course prep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, from a technical uh, standpoint, you know, what are some things, um, Colton? You might be um, because you you taught this semester. Um, just thinking about when it comes to the ways in which you delivered comments or c- kind of delivered feedback to students, um, could you talk a little bit about the kind of nuts and bolts of the way that you that you organize some of your informal or formal feedback this semester?
0: One of the things that I did is I made a distinction between first read comments uh, and sort of second read or more higher order concerns. So the higher order or larger, more important concerns, I either put in a larger header comment uh, on their papers in the Google Doc that typically was composed by me after the fact. Um, So like I I get through their entire paper, then I'm like, oh, here's actually the the major nut bolt and thing that needs to be fixed. Um, But I often did sort of a live read. And one of the things that I was really intentional about was trying to respond to my previous comments. So to make it almost as informal, um, I mean, I'm sure I came across as somewhat crazy in that I was basically responding to myself, right? Like, Hey, are you going to mention this reference? And then later it's like, ah, you did mention that reference. Um, I think of a, the multimodal project, someone had something where they, they use the bright color green, like a green that is, a uh, well, like lime. I don't know. Like that's not even enough, right? It was a green that was like, holy crap, that's green, right? Um, (laughs) And immediately, I I sort of left a comment, and I'm like, I would love to hear how that's going to, like, why did you choose this green? And then later, they they explained why, which was a really well-done paper, and then I sort of responded and acknowledged, like, oh, yeah. So that sort of conversational tone, both with myself, I felt, at least I think, engaged the student as if it were much more conversational as opposed to directive or um, constructive in a way that, might have been a little bit more mechanical. So I guess in some ways it's providing it as a read through and indicating where that occurred, providing a header comment, a large comment at the, well, technically it appears after I've completed the document, but it appears at the top. And uh, just trying to keep that informal tone as much as possible. There were also a couple instances wherein um, I, I don't want to say I had harsher feedback, but I couldn't find a nice way to say the thing that I needed to say. So, at least in one, although I, I tried in two, I asked the student to to basically um, Zoom conference with me. So, that's, I guess, how I kept my my disorganized organization organized. And I think just sort of as a side note, I, I find it important to note to myself, what are the actual things that I need to leave that massive amount of feedback on, and which things they just quite honestly, will never go back to, right? Small writing assignments and otherwise, if I'm spending more time than they are providing comments, um, it's less than helpful.
1: Yeah, I take your point, Colton. I think there's a difference between offering feedback that serves as a scaffold for the next assignment versus spending way too much time kind of building a staircase to nowhere. So my next question is about the feedback that students offer each other. How have you restructured peer review in virtual or hybrid courses? I feel like it's one of the activities where it's hard to script or create space for a sense of kind of shared camaraderie without the physical face-to-face interaction.
0: Um, I think actually uh, this semester I didn't do it all that well. Um, I really focused on kind of making sure that the students had some sort of relationship with me in the comments Um, and in doing so I focused less on the peer review that I normally do. Uh, So let me just sort of say that, that I probably didn't do it best, uh, as much as I would have liked this semester. Um, And yeah, usually what I do is I set them up in teams, as if they were a newsroom at a sort of kind of small press publication. And in doing so, they are responsible for each other's kind of content in some way. Uh, And in doing so that I find that that often pushes them to engage with one another in ways where they're actually attempting to help the other do better. Um, the, the only reason I bring that up as sort of a, a slight distinction is frequently I found in this semester, certainly, they provided less useful comments, right? All lower order concerns um, as I was sort of skimming over and it was like where to put a comma, you know, and whether that was right or not, but there was something about like having them have shared responsibility over the draft and over the experience, which has worked really well in the past for me that I just sort of let slip by this semester. Uh,
2: so I think it's really interesting in terms of in terms of peer peer review. I personally I struggle with it a bit when I um, when I teach because I feel that a lot of times both students and instructors can feel a little bit frustrated by peer review because when when students are asked to give feedback to one another, I think they struggle a lot with the feeling that they can't contribute much that's worthwhile to the discussion I think in a lot of ways because they feel well you know they're not, I'm not the expert I I don't know anything more about writing or about you know grammar or editing than than any of my classmates do so you know what can I contribute to this paper other than maybe some basic you know grammar or um you know basic com- you know, okay I know this is a comma splice My instructor you know I hammered that into my head <laughs> at one point in my you know high school education but other than that I'll think a lot of times students are really reluctant to comment on those those big picture types of issues and that's really what instructors want them to comment on right but they don't I think in terms of um, a lot of students they feel if it's not maybe not their place to talk about those things you know they're not the expert they don't know the topic especially as much as maybe the other student did who did who has done the research and who has um read some of that background information about it so I think it for peer review it can end up being really frustrating for both uh, you know on both sides of it when when students don't get the type of formative, I mean, a really holistic type of um, comments that they're, they're really wanting or that the instructors want them to give. So um, one of the things that I really like to focus on is making sure that that peer evaluations are much more discussion-based and much more um, relying on just talking about the project and making sure that the students, you know, b- big ideas are coming across in the way that they want them to come across.
0: Yeah, to echo off of one of the things that Laura was sort of kind of describing, that way in which uh particularly the, the sense that the student doesn't feel like they are the sort of content expert. Um, one thing that I have done in the past is have them basically compose some sort of modified annotated bibliography as a group. The benefit of that is that they all become an expert on sort of the generalized field, right? Whatever that topic area is. Um, and in doing that, I have found that the feedback often that students give each other is better. Right. So they're all commenting on the same uh, social justice issue. Right. And so in some way, even though they've got individualized kind of interest within that issue, they at least know the conversation that's occurring. Um, and you end up getting richer comments about that. Right. Where they feel more confident in some way. I, I absolutely agree that question of like how to make it more discussion based um, and how to sort of build the students' confidence in the way in which they engage with their peers in that conversation and in that editing is essential.
1: Absolutely. Um, and when it comes to you know giving students things to talk about kind of conversational topics in class, Colton, this is a little bit more of a question for you. But when it comes to kind of more informal check-ins or feedback for students, um, were there things that you did this semester when it came to um, either <laughs> the particular weeks in which there was a lot going on nationally during the election or more generally during the COVID pandemic? Um, uh, were there some ways in which you were kind of checking in on students or allowing for kind of uh, uh, times Of broader class conversation of okay how is everyone doing
0: um yeah certainly this this semester and all the weirdness and tensions and all of that i did twice as many conferences uh like scheduled conferences as in canceling class and scheduling a conference and i sort of uh not canceled a couple classes but sort of broke those classes out into opportunities where i sort of doubled it as office hours um and i had never done that before um Overwhelmingly, the student feedback was that they really liked how, you know, half a class or um, several classes throughout, I was giving extra time to meet. And even the fact that we met several times, not just related to their product, but also checking in. Um, So that was definitely something I did, which I thought was really useful. One of the other things that I did, sort of different this semester, is that I did um, kind of informal work planning sessions. So in some of the small writing assignments, I had uh, like, What is it? Like day one, I basically walked them through the prompt on the multimodal project. Let me rephrase that. Not day one of the class, but like day one when I did. Their assignment for that evening was to create a plan to break down like what they would do week by week. And then midway through, we did sort of a conversation kind of out loud, uh, which actually I thought was really, really helpful, where everyone basically just gave me a thumbs up or thumbs down as to where they were. And one of the nice things was the students, as they were reacting, were saying, like, I am not where I am. I'm very stressed. And then another student would come up and be like, I really wish that I was – overwhelmingly, they weren't where they wanted to be, which, to be honest, they had created some really, really ambitious plans, which I thought were awesome, but also, like, let's be real here. But the way that they were able to sort of engage with one another created sort of a rapport in that they kind of uh, all saw each other – Um, Everyone was feeling the weight of the semester and I think that they were able to acknowledge that. And then I met individually with those people who really seemed to be falling behind or who I was a little bit worried about, more worried about.
1: Absolutely. I totally see where you're coming from and having twice as many conferences or individual conferences and making kind of carving out in class time for that as well, especially when it came to, you know, students who were uh, totally remote this semester, those one on one conferences were sometimes the only times I could like literally see their faces, um, which I think is incredibly important um, in kind of establishing a connection um, with them. And so kind of having those moments that you can kind of more uh, generally kind of check in with them and track their progress is, is incredibly important. Um, Laura, I also wanted to follow up with you. I know that you you and your dissertation work are kind of collecting documents or um, creating focus groups on um, the student revision process at SLU. So what kind of comments that they take or their, um, as you say, opinions and perceptions of the people who gave them feedback. Um, So of your findings as you are doing this work, um, is there anything that has particularly resonated with you or surprised you um, about the ways in which students are kind of processing or reflecting
2: on their own feedback? So at this point, um, you know, one of the things that I've I've talked about a lot of the graduate instructors with is I'm still in the IRB review process, so not quite at the um, collecting findings or, you know, uh, collecting data stages. So I don't have any findings yet, but um, one of the things that I'm really focusing on in terms of um, my study and what I'm really looking for is to really find whether Students utilize instructor feedback in the first place. You know, first and foremost, that's I think the most important part. Because I think as an instructor, uh, something that we often um, find is that you know we we question are students using our feedback. You know, are they actually um, not just maybe able to use our feedback, but are they reading it? You know, are they understanding it? And so um, what I'm going to do is um, do a little bit of document analysis. So looking at rough drafts versus final drafts to see um, what students actually utilize in terms of changes in their paper. And then on top of that, asking students um, directly via some, some uh, asynchronous interviewing and then some, some synchronous focus group um, you know, group discussions where asking students what they think about their their revision process, right, and what they um, what they think they have done in terms of revising their paper and using feedback and what they think about, you know, the feedback that, they, that they've that they received and and kind of doing a comparison of the two to see, you know, what students actually do in their paper to see if it matches up or if it, you know, in what in sort of what ways does it align with what they think they've done? Because I think one of the most interesting things that I've seen as, as a person who works in the writing center, right, working one-on-one directly talking to students about the revision process, especially when they bring in instructor feedback, we don't get it too often but on occasion in the writing center you know students will say here's my instructor's feedback here's what i've done with it and then sometimes you look at it and and you go oh this is what the instructor said, and you think you've worked on that, but you have not worked on that, or or maybe you totally misunderstood what the instructor was going for here, right? So I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what do students actually do in the document versus what they think they've done in terms of um, how they've how they've utilized feedback and, and things like that. So I think it'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to my findings, uh, my data, once I can get it. Uh, but right now, I'm not quite at that stage yet. Oh,
1: that's so interesting. And I feel particularly relevant to 1900. I was really surprised um, while while kind of writing and composing feedback this semester, I was teaching both 1900 and a section of 2650. Um, and the difference in kind of the, the kinds of evaluation or feedback that I was providing really depended on the fact that because English 1900, all of the major assignments are linked, right? Even though I was commenting right on the final draft of, uh, for example, their their statement of purpose, right? Um, that, that, that was still relevant, right? It could still be kind of revisions based feedback as they were taking that statement of purpose to their multimodal project. Um, In comparison, right to to a lit class like 2650, where um, the student, uh, the student papers, you know, their student projects, while there were kind of commonalities between them, um, it was very rarely right that a student was taking one major essay, right, and and bringing even though the comments could be focused on the ways in which they were structuring or kind of performing their close readings. um, The essays themselves were not um, uh, explicitly linked. So my, my final question for the two of you, I know this episode has been mostly focused on the feedback we provide to students and student feedback in that sense. Um, I wanted to ask a final question about the uh, student feedback that students give us. Um, so I know that uh, SLU has kind of the blue um, official course evaluations that we receive. Um, do you also offer other avenues for informal student feedback at the end of the semester? Um, and it's, if so, what kind of questions do you ask?
0: Um, every semester, even the the weirdness of this one, I tend to at least probably about a third of the way in um, have some sort of conversation. Usually that first conference right, is sort of split between whatever the next upcoming project is, but also the question of like, what is working for you and what is not working in terms of the class? And it gives me an opportunity to sort of adjust to any type of pedagogy that needs to happen or not. Um, for example, I had... Uh, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of PowerPoint, right? I actually prefer more dynamic lecture when I do lecture, which is very, very rare, where I basically create an outline and I can supply the outline to the student with like blanks and areas where they would do things. But I had a section a couple of years back where the fact that I didn't have a PowerPoint, right? And this was a section mostly of nursing people, um, nursing majors, like they had difficulty like comprehending how to even take notes or so getting the feedback early on allowed me to sort of adjust pivot and go like, okay, well, you guys need a PowerPoint. We're going to do some PowerPoints. I still refuse to do Prezi, but I at least made the baby step there. The other thing is at the end of this semester, and I've done it in previous semesters, I basically asked sort of real simple questions, which was um, what worked or didn't work for you this semester? what would you like more of or less of? Kind of as two separate questions. And the the third piece is, is there anything that would be useful for like future class takers, right? Future students, or if I were to teach this again, what would be useful for me to hear um, regarding the student experience? Um, And to be honest, I got a lot of feedback, particularly this semester, that was really useful um, in things that I was not expecting um, them to either notice that I had done Or, uh, yeah, so, so yes, I I do ask questions outside of the sort of, um, I I forget what SLU's system is in terms of the feedback. Um, Working at other institutions and things, I found sort of a mixed bag in terms of those um, evaluations. Either students take them... Either don't take them seriously or you get the flip where like it becomes like a Yelp review where like the people who actually had a good experience may not respond, but then those who do actually have some sort of axe to grind. Um, So it's nice to actually have the one on one conversation with them several times throughout the semester to get that feedback as you're going, which invites them into the planning process of their experience of the course.
2: Yeah, I think Colton really makes an important um, point about making sure that you get feedback on on what's working and what's not, and getting that feedback early on. Something that really helped me uh, in my process when I first came to SLU, You know, I I started on the the CTTL, um, one of the certificate programs, and one of the things that they recommended was um, they called a skiff, a small group informational session or for something like that. Um, and so what they will do is and in the you can only do this in around midterms, so it has to be something that's that's early on in the semester, so that one thing that I like about this is that it's not just at the end of the semester, right, with the blue course evaluations, okay, the semester's over, and now, now you're getting all this feedback, but you can't do anything to change it. You can't do anything to actually improve what you're doing and to help students in that moment, so what's really important about these skiff these sessions is that they have to happen um, around midterms. And someone from the CTTL will come in and they will ask students just a really basic set of questions. I wanna say it's only two or three questions where they ask, you know, what's working and then um, what what could they, um, what could be improved upon, I think is something like what the questions are, Um, but it's very much, you know, not evaluative, but they're just asking, you know, what is going on for you as the student that the instructor um, could, um, actually intervene in and to to make any sort of uh, changes or recommendations you know so the, the this person from outside the class so that's I think is really important in terms of what Colton said, you know, if you're not comfortable taking that that step to ask students dead on, you know, if you can't, you know, for me, I'm a little bit more introverted. So, you know, asking students, okay, well, like, what can I do for you is something that I I'm a little leery to, to do sometimes. Um, so having a, a third party come in and ask students questions where they can be completely forthright, right. They can be totally honest in a way that maybe they can't, if, if you're the, if you're the instructor and you're the one asking them, you know, they don't want to You know you're in charge of their grades. So it's like, Oh, well, I can't say anything that you might, that they might think you would see as as you know critical or as criticism right so like oh i don't want to make my instructor mad um so you can really get some honest feedback and it's all anonymized um, from what the zttl does and so they will give you um, their recommendations and and you can really get some interesting feedback on on what's working in the class and what you can do to improve and then you actually have time in the semester to, to put those things into practice and i think for me one of the things that i found most important was um having the the assignments the way that 1900 is structured right with having all of the assignments linked into one another that's really helpful in some ways but it's also really i think um it can be a little bit frustrating for students because they they feel as though they're they're always the work that they're doing is always leading into something else and they feel like they they um, don't necessarily have a finished product that they can really work with, right? So say so the Dysol logo feeds into the statement of purpose and then the statement of purpose feeds into um, the, the multimodal project. And then that feeds into the process paper, right? So it's always this thing where it's like, well, I'm always doing something that leads into something else, so when am I ever finished? And so uh, one of the things that, that, and that was feedback that I got directly from my students courtesy of this, this CTTL session, and so one of the things that I was able to, to change about my course to take that feedback into consideration is to add into each of my um, assignment prompts what, um, what course objectives, each assignment in and of itself, like as just a single unit, you know, what what rhetorical and compositional kinds of objectives were they, or what skills were they developing by completing that assignment? And so I think that was really helpful in terms of feedback from me, but then also helping students really get an idea of what, we, what I was looking for from them in their performance. right? So it really helped. It was kind of this very very interesting feedback loop, loop from, the, um, from the students and then me and then the CTTL but that I think was really able to um, make some more uh, productive changes to my course that I think was really helpful. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Laura, that's a great point about the ways in which CTDL kind of as a, as a mediator or third party can help both instructors and students who might feel um, nervous or uncomfortable about the kind of confrontational aspect of those mid-semester, um, uh, mid-semester evaluations. Yeah, I think it's so important, Colton, as you said, to to offer students a kind of forward-looking when I teach this class next semester, what things would, would kind of make it easier for or what things would you change and framing the question that in a way that acknowledges students students as a kind of important stakeholder group right in in the course design right saying kind of okay well your your opinion your experience matters. Um, not in a kind of customer service sort of way but I'm saying okay, how can I use your experience right um, in order how can you kind of buy in right to the educational premise of this course um, in a way that is going to um, possibly change or improve techniques for next semester.
0: Absolutely. And the way in which that sort of buy-in occurs, I, I often find interesting in that it's um, students will often reflect back on their own experience of undergoing the class and their responsibility in the way in which they partook in the class in that moment, right? So it may not be a like, oh, well, you could change this and this, 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 and this, but often that's where you get the sort of light bulb of like, oh, maybe I should have begun papers a little earlier, you gave us enough time, but I really didn't start until the week of, right? So th- there's a way in which it it invites them into ownership. Uh, I like how you phrase that, uh, Sheila, that that ownership over their experience and even the future planning, but particularly their experience in sort of taking the ownership or responsibility for what happened that semester.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much uh, for being here today, uh, Lauren Colt. Is there anything else that you'd like to add?
2: Um, so I think for I think for me one of the the last little takeaways I would say in terms of when I think of student feedback and I think of uh, the ways that especially as instructors we give feedback something that happened very recently on Twitter um, and I don't know if this was something you know just part of the my my slew Twitter bubble or my academic Twitter right but I think somebody went viral recently where she said you know fifty percent of her time spent grading is just writing in the margin that commas should go inside quotation marks. And I just, of course, you know, I, I died a little bit inside when I read that. Um, but I think uh, I, it was also an, in some ways a bit heartwarming because I think a lot of the responses to this person were to say like, well, hold on, wait a minute. If that's, if that's 50% of the time that you spent grading, like, I think we need to reevaluate one, what your course objectives are, right? Or two, you know, what, what you know getting a little bit more of a work-life balance in because if if that's 50% of your time spent grading that's 50% of your time that that you can spend on something else something very different in your life and in your students lives right that can really make a a much better a much maybe a, a much bigger difference in their in in your students' writing, that is not just about commas, right? You, because know, that's not that's not really what what we're focused on here. Like, unless your course is very much straight up, you know, this is a course about how to use commas, um, then that's just not productive. But, yeah, and so, it's it's really, I think, if I had one takeaway, it's you know, you know, spend time giving feedback about what's important to you and what's important to the course and if it's not part of your course objectives you know if it's not you if it's not something that's deeply important to what's going on in the course then like you can you can spend that time on something else like go watch a movie or something instead (laughs) because i guarantee that the students really aren't going to spend much time on that either so if that's what you're spending 50 percent of your time on like you can do a lot you can do a lot better with your life than than that
0: as a, like, lover of commas, right? Um, I absolutely agree with you still, though. Um, There's a way in which, yeah, that that sort of, um, for me, that kind of commenting, right, on on every comma or otherwise doesn't actually, um, it sort of undermines my class in the sense that I, I mean, this is very dead poet society-esque, but like I sort of presume my class has lots of comparable applications across their lifetime, right? Um, can they communicate effectively? And like that grand voice, right? Um, but if I'm just spending time on the commas, then how does that actually uh, sort of move into their life in any other way, right? Does it actually make them a better rhetorician or does it make them more able to critically engage with the text? And the answer is no, but yeah, absolutely. That sort of question of how does it actually fit into the objectives or how does this actually make your course something that is worthwhile? Um, though we should probably also teach a class on commas because I do love them.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think, and, and just the the slog, the idea of spending 50% on commas, by the way, as you said, uh, both fills me with horror um, and uh, an incredible anxiety about that person's time Um, and and again you know like if if feedback right is also a process right of conversation and engagement right the the kind of endless comma correction right what what kind of relationship are you establishing with the student there what kind of uh what kind of engagement are you are you creating or relationship are you creating um in that moment Um, Well, thank you both so much again for this conversation, especially at the end of the semester, where I know we are all uh, quite tired. (laughs) Um, And thank you all uh, for listening to this uh, final episode of of Season 5 of Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series... To share an assignment or tool or to pitch an interview, please contact me at Sheila.Corsi at SLU.EDU. Eloquentia <laughs> <laughs> Perfecta Ex Machina. Eloquentia
0: Perfecta X Machina. Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina.